What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Whole Nine Draft Podcast. I am your host, Josh Berg. Joining me, as always, is Alex Katzen. Alex, how you doing tonight? Pretty good, man. Um, it's been a been a long couple weeks. I think you and I are in the minority of people whose jobs have stayed open during all this that's going on in the world right now. Um, I think both of us are pretty exhausted from conversations we've had outside the podcast. I know I'm in the middle of nine days of work in a row. Uh, I had one day, I had six days in a row, and then I had one day off on Wednesday, and now I'm in the middle of nine days in a row. So I'm, I'm pretty tired, but I'm ready. I'm ready to do this podcast. I'm, it's good to be back. Yeah, you know, we're our work schedules are all messed up. We're both working overnights, and all it are they don't align up, and it's a mess. So again, yeah. finding a consistent schedule has still been an issue. But yeah, we do apologize to you guys for not being able to upload consistency. But like Josh said, our work schedules have been super hectic the last couple weeks um i know josh is in the in the fast food industry and so his job has been really busy i'm in i'm at the front desk of a dorm that's still open at the university of washington and so that's been very busy a lot of people have a lot of questions a lot of people you know want to move out there's a lot going on um stuff that's bigger than us and so it's been it's been a challenge but we're going to do our best going forward and said, hopefully I'm not at this job too much longer. But, hey, it is what it is. But we got a uh, really awesome show for you guys today. We're going to be doing a Risers and Fallers segment, talking about three prospects that have been rising up boards lately around the community and three guys that have been falling. And plus, if you guys are a Jaguars fan, we're going to go and do a seven-round mock draft for you guys. Uh, Twelve picks. They've got a lot of different directions that they can go. We're going to go give you guys a couple uh, prospects that we chose for them in the mock. But before we dive in, we got to plug all the social media. Follow the podcast on Twitter at WNDraftPod. Follow me on Twitter at JoshBerg0611. Follow Alex at Alex Katzen. That's Katzen with a K. Go over to WholeNineSports.com and uh, go ahead and check out all our latest articles, mock drafts, scouting reports. We've got a bunch of stuff coming out. Um, follow WholeNineSports on Twitter at WholeNineSports. And... That uh, I think that's it, right? Did I miss anything? I have one. I have one additional plug. Um, go while you're while you're on Whole Nine Sports' Twitter account. Go listen to the latest episode of the Whole Nine Sports podcast because Josh and I are both on it. Um, Dylan oh, yeah. of the Whole Nine Sports podcast was nice enough to have us both on to do a two round roundtable mock draft. We did that with uh, Dylan Sanders and Tyler Herberski, who was on the show a couple episodes ago. Um, so that was really fun. Uh, we actually just finished recording it right before we started recording this one. So go ahead and go listen to that as well. And uh, make sure that you let Brandon and Dylan know how much you love us. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that was a lot of fun hanging out with the guys. Uh, been a yeah, while for sure. since I'd been on the pod all the way back in Mobile was the last time I was on the pod. So it was good to get back and talking with them. Uh, I know yeah. Brandon's really busy with a lot of stuff right now. So being able to step in and try to fill the void the best we could was uh, was a lot of fun, at least for me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, two-round mock on that episode. going to be a lot of fun. We... Yeah, mess up was, your guys' entire teams. So uh, we had a lot of fun. So go ahead and check that out. And then, hey, Good time. make sure you guys, again, like like Alex said, leave in the reviews. Go ahead and uh, tell them how much you really like us, you know? Yeah. Tell so, them that we're, we're your two favorite whole nine sports employees. 100%. Uh, you ready to jump into this? I am. Let's All do right. it. So we're going to start with the Risers and Followers segment. Uh, do you want to start positive or negative? Let's start positive. I think the world needs some positivity these days. All right. So the first guy that we chose was Willie Gay Jr., who we've talked a little bit on the podcast uh, before. Um, I believe we mocked him somewhere, and we went a little bit in depth on him. But We uh, sent him to Miami. Yeah, Miami. Um, but linebacker out of Mississippi State, Alex, why is he a guy that's starting to climb up boards again? Um, I think the main thing has just been he tested really well. Um, and this is something that we talked about when we talked about him uh, on that Miami Dolphins episode, which go back and listen to that if you haven't seen, if you haven't uh, listened to it before. Uh, we sent him to Miami in the seventh round because it was a little while. It was before the combine. And I remember saying, like, if this guy tests well, he's going to rise up boards because he's hyper athletic. And when he's on the field, he's produced. But he got injured this year. He had a couple off the field incidents. Um, but his combine testing looked good. He looked fully healthy. And from what I've heard, he interviewed well at the Combine. And so now I think people are a little bit less concerned about the off-the-field stuff. 
He looks healthy. He looks like he's going to be a productive player. And in addition, this is kind of a weak linebacker class. You know, that middle tier is pretty soft. And um, so... And that's now, the exact point yeah, I was going to make is the middle tier linebacker is not entirely strong. He's kind of pushed himself out of, like, the Marcus Bailey, Jordan Brooks tier into, like, the Malik Harrison, Troy Dye, Nakeem Davis, Gaither tier where you could see him go off the yep. board potentially in round two. Yeah, definitely. Um, I will spoil our whole nine sports podcast appearance and say that he does go round two in that mock draft that we did um and i think that's completely realistic for him come draft day um the only question for him now is just going to be like hopefully team enough teams got a hold of his medicals at the combine to know that he's going to be fully healthy going forward you know but with any prospect that has medical concerns these days uh they you know i think they are going to start to fall down draft boards just because of the uncertainty because teams aren't going to be able to conduct the normal physicals that they go through uh during the pre-draft process but yeah a name to watch out for early day two for sure the next guy um is an offensive tackle and i think we both have expressed our um opinions on how top heavy this offensive tackle (laughs) Say again? Oh, yeah, yes. Um, I thought you were going in a different direction. No. Um, how top-heavy this offensive uh, tackle class is, really, after you get outside the top six or seven, it really takes a drop. Um, but because it's such a premium position, um, you're going to see some names really rise up the board. And one of those is Ezra Cleveland, um, who is not exactly the most technically sound. Um, he wins with athleticism. Um, I've seen comparisons to Brian O'Neill, the Minnesota Vikings right tackle, um, where Ezra Cleveland's now getting mocked in round one in some mocks. And I don't quite understand it. Um, he's, I think he's my offensive tackle like nine right now. Um, mm-hmm. So he's, well, he's a lot lower than that. He's 12 on my board. I have to go back and do the tape study of him. But I just think that there are other offensive tackles like a Ben Barch or a Matthew Pert. That should be getting that recognition if you're going to push tackles up into round one. Um, I understand why Cleveland's getting pushed up because you see the athletic upside. I just prefer other tackles at this point. Yeah. Um, Cleveland is my offensive tackle 14. So what what I had said when I interrupted you during your segue is confusion. Um, <laughs> we both expressed our confusion at this one being a riser. But the more I thought about it while you were talking, um, it kind of feels like to me the basic, like, guy tests well at the combine, people overrate the combine performance, and all of a sudden he's a first-rounder. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Because for a lot of people, you know, and this is no knock on those people, but for a lot of people, this might be the first they've heard about Ezra Cleveland, right? Right. It's just like you see this guy at the combine, he blows up the combine, and you're like, wow, this guy must be amazing. But as we've seen, uh, combine performance doesn't mean everything. Athletic traits don't mean everything especially at a position like offensive tackle where you're where it's such a highly technical position right uh technique matters a lot and just like you i have to go back and do the tape study for sure to solidify my ranking on him but i'm with i'm in the same boat as you where i'm a, i'm a little confused as to why this one's going on i understand it it's just you know it's just that post combine hype that some guys get um and you know, we'll see how it breaks down on draft day, but I think, you know, he might end up kind of falling back to where we had him pre-combine during the actual draft, and it's just like, it's just a talking point for right now because people don't have anything else to talk about. And that's that's fair. We've, we've seen those um, happen in the past, um, past years, etc. But another guy that's rising aboard in our third our third uh, riser, and this is this, someone that this you one and I, I do get. You and this I, one I do understand. <laughs> both really like this player. And that's Jeremy Chin, the safety out of Southern Illinois. Um, yes, sir. You were at his press conference in Mobile, yeah? I was. I was actually the only person at his press conference <laughs> for a little bit, um, which I wish I had been more prepared to be the only person at his press conference, and I wish I had known that he was going to end up rising up draft boards this heavily because I would have gotten some juicier quotes from him to talk about right now. But uh, now I know next year I'll be more prepared. Um, Chin is my safety six right now. Um, again, subject to change. But I he's feel my pretty six as well. 
yeah, I feel pretty good about that slot for him. Um, that's not a knock on him at all. I think the safety class is actually really strong. I really like the top four guys. I'd say, you know, I really McKinney, Delpit, Duggar, Winfield. I I really like, and I honestly respect any order of those four. Um, and then Chin is really really close to Kayvon Wallace, who's my safety five right now. Um, but if you guys don't know much about Jeremy Chin, think about Kyle Duggar, but just like from a different school. Yeah, I think he's because that's too. basically the player that he is. Um, he might be a little bit more of a pure strong safety than Duggar is. I think a lot of people have talked about Duggar moving down to uh, Will linebacker in the NFL. Chin did a little bit of that at the Senior Bowl also, but um, I think he's his frame is better suited to safety than Duggar's is. Uh, Chin is built more vertically than Duggar is. Duggar's built like a tank. Because um, he is a tank. But, yeah, I think both him and Duggar are going to end up going in round two. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of safeties in round two, though. I think probably four of them i want to say like mckinney might go round one but then i think delpit winfield duggar chin all go round two and then Kayvon wallace goes round three maybe early round four depending on how teams want to use him but this is one that i definitely understand again it's a hyper athletic guy who tested well at the combine interviewed well uh really great guy really really awesome to talk to um from personal experience so i'm i'm sure he interviewed well and it's a it's another one where it'll be an interesting name to watch on day two of the draft. And we've been hearing buzz that he might be going ahead of the draft, um, ahead of both Duggar and Delpit. Um, yeah. So it's it's definitely going to be fun to watch. I know he's one of my uh, favorite players in this class. Now I say that about a lot of the safeties, but I really do like the safety class. There's a lot of players that I think are under the radar and need to be talked about more, and Chin is definitely one of them. And I think same for Duggar who we all know my love for Duggar. I'm not going to go into in depth on it, but um, if they were both at bigger schools, they'd be getting talked about in round one. Yeah, for sure. Moving now to the guys that we uh, have noticed have been falling down boards lately. Um, a couple of the, you know, some of these, they may not be totally their fault. Some of them might be because, you know, they had some bad performances, maybe some injury concerns. Um, but the first guy that we put down was AJ Epinesa, the, edge rusher still are we still calling him an edge rusher from I, iowa i think so but i think he'll he'll kind of be a tweener where he can pl- kick inside and out yeah. in the nfl yeah i have always been of the opinion that aj epinesa was a better fit as a pass rushing five technique a la the jj watt role in houston than like as a pure four three end um and i think now more and more people are kind of jumped onto that wagon and because of that, his stock has gone down accordingly. Um, didn't have a great combine. I think everyone is aware of that at this point. Um, looked stiff, to be honest with you, um, compared to the other edge rushers that were there. Someone who I think is going to end up, is still probably going to end up being a first rounder, but just instead of talking about him as like a top 10 talent, someone who's like clear cut edge two after Chase Young, but before Caleb on Chase on and those sorts of guys is now someone who you're going to see, I think edge three in the mid twenties, probably maybe early second, if like something crazy happens and there's a run on receivers or something. Um, and someone who I know Josh and I have both lately been mocking him to the Patriots because it just feels like such a Patriots player to grab. Someone who was highly touted, didn't look the best, you know, in the pre-draft process, and the Patriots grab him and he turns into an all-pro. Yeah, I think my almost two natural fits with him is where I've been mocking him is that New England at 23 and then Tennessee at 29. Um, yeah. I think that though both of those uh, coaching staffs will find ways to utilize him to his strengths. Um, but yeah, Epinesa is someone that all already in the process has um, was already kind of, I don't want to say take a step back, but his production was inconsistent this year. Um, yeah, for sure. And that kind of hurt him because we were going into the college football season, we were talking about him being a top five player in this class. Um, mm-hmm. And now, you know, he's a borderline first round player. Um, I think it has to do with he seems a little bit positionless, um, which isn't always a bad thing, but when you right. want him to be a 4-3 end, but what 
you need a 4-3 end to do. He doesn't do particularly well. Um, so you're just going to have to scheme around him in that regard. But I still think he's a really good player, technically sound player. Um, he's yeah, just, for sure. He's just not the most athletic um, specimen like a Chase on or a Chase Young or right. these other edge guys that were kind of pushing up the boards um, because he, he doesn't have that athletic versatility to it. But he's definitely still a round one player for me regardless. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Um, someone who both Josh and I have agreed on is not a one a first round player, but has been getting mocked in the first round uh, in the past, but not as much anymore. Is Jordan Love from Utah State, the quarterback? This one isn't really his fault. It's nothing that he did wrong. You know, his combine was his combine was good. He didn't he looked solid. Um, everything else that he's done has been good. It's just that the Colts traded out of the first round. Yep. That's really it. The Colts traded out of the first round and the Bucks signed Tom Brady. Yep. And so now you look at that middle of the first round, right, where I think most mock drafts traditionally still have Burrow at one and then Tua to the Dolphins either at three or at five and then Herbert to the Chargers at six. Um, but then you look at the other teams that we went into free agency is like, oh, they need a quarterback. And you have the Panthers who got Teddy Bridgewater. You have the Bucks who, like I said, got Tom Brady. The Colts trade out of the first round and signed Phillip Rivers. And it, Jordan Love is kind of a guy that gets lost in the shuffle of all that, right? Like, he just doesn't really have a landing spot anymore. And so now, instead of seeing him all, all the way up at 13 to the Colts, I think people have kind of just been like, well, I really like that fit with the Colts. I'm just going to give him to the Colts with their second-round pick at, 30, at 34. Yeah, pretty much. Um, that pick that they have from the Montez Sweat trade. I think someone might still trade up into the first round to pick Love, but I don't think he's going to go as high as 13 anymore. Um, I just don't see a team that like has the capital and needs to move up that far to take him, especially with how top-heavy this draft is. You know, There's a lot of really solid talent at the top of this draft. Um, there's really just not a place for him. He's kind of just lost this game of musical chairs, as it yeah. were. Um, and it really is unfortunate for the guy, but it's just kind of the way that things break sometimes where like if, if there's a strong free agent class and teams trade out of the first round, then all of a sudden you're left holding the bag and, you know, not really sure where you're going to go anymore. Yeah. You know, it's, it's been interesting to see him in this entire process because like you mentioned, you know, he's with the Colts pretty much locked there. Then there was, you know, the Panthers needed the QB. So maybe they were, uh, he was gonna go there as a potential landing spot, and then um, Tampa Bay, and now you're kind of seeing where the top three QBs seem to have a landing spot. You know, in some way, shape, or form, right. Cincinnati, Miami, the Chargers. Um, that fourth name, whoever that may be, maybe it is Herbert or what I think most of us would think would be Love. The landing spot's very murky. I think the next like viable landing spot would be New England, all the way at twenty three. Um, would yeah. be the the team that would like if you look at the draft. Yeah, uh, the only other the thing that, that I would say is like if if the Raiders do something insane, right, and pick one at nineteen, right. So I don't know. I I everyone knows my opinions on Jordan Love. I'm not going to go too in depth on it, but I think he's looking now as like a late, like a late round one guy that gets traded up on draft night to go get or um, beginning of round two. So yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. For sure. And then our last faller is uh, one that hurts my heart. He's free falling. It makes me so sad. He's, you know, you know that really common dream where you're just falling eternally. Yeah. And you can't stop. And like the only the only way to end it is to wake up. That's his draft. That's stock. Trey Adams right now. Yeah. That's Trey Adams. Um, you know, someone who we talked about, if he had come out last year before he had gotten injured, people were talking about him as a potential first-round pick, uh, you know, potential like top 15, top 20 pick. Uh, has the back injury last year, misses most of 2018. Comes back for a fifth year this I think a fifth year this year. Maybe it was a sixth year already. Um, <clears throat> was kind of up and down in 2019. You know, you could definitely see that he was still hurting. Um, had to miss the senior bowl because of the injury. Um, and then the combine just looked like he's not the same guy anymore. You know, it looks like that back injury has really taken a lot of the mobility out of him. And for such a big guy, you do worry about like long-term health, um, as far as a back injury like that goes. Um, and so he's someone now where you, 
you've seen him fall all the way from the first round to then people were talking about him like, you know, late day two, early day three by the time 2019 season ended. And now you're looking at like people have him in the sixth round, even under like Washington's right tackle from 2019, Jared Hilbers. Um, it's really just, it's, it's just sad. It, it just it makes really me sad. is because uh, you know. when he's healthy, he has some of the best tape of an offensive lineman in this class. Oh um, yeah. If you they, go back and watch 2017 Trey Adams tape, 2018 Trey, Trey Adams tape before he got hurt, he's dominant. Yeah, it's just the injury is scaring a lot of teams and because of the situation we're in with the world in this quarantine and teams not being able to get full physicals back, teams are going to be questioning what his true health is going to be coming into the season for for them and if they want to, you know, take that risk. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I think he's going to he's going to wait to hear his name called for a little bit longer than I think he would like and a little bit longer than I think all of uh the Washington faithful would like. Right now he's sitting at my offensive tackle 16 um just above guys like Alex Taylor, Calvin Throckmorton um who, you know, Alex Taylor's a super incredibly like insanely raw huge guy prospect and Throckmorton is someone who also at the combine looked pretty stiff you know looked like he wasn't the best mover and guys like that just don't last in the NFL and that's you know that's the unfortunate reality of the business is sometimes guys that you really like you know one injury can take it all away right yeah like, he, yeah, you know, he's, you think about like Marcus Lattimore, that, ro- that, that was run, running back from South Carolina, who was you know probably the best running back prospect most of us had ever seen at that point in time, and then you know the horrific leg injury that he had and just never came back the same. You know, I think was a backup on the Niners for a couple of years, but never really you know got back over it. And it's just it's it's, it's just unfortunate, man. It's funny that we mentioned this because um, I saw a tweet today and it was like three athletes that uh, you wish could start over and get a clean bill of health. And mm-hmm. the first one that came to my mind was Marcus Lattimore. Because um, oh, watching yeah, him in South Carolina sure. was absolutely dominant. Absolutely. Um, him, Derek Rose, and Teddy Bridgewater were like the first three that like really came to my yeah. mind. Because yeah, I wasn't around for, for sure. Bo Jackson or anything like that. But Right, yeah, neither was I. So yeah, back on Adams, he's he's my offensive tackle 12 right now. He's in the same area as Charlie Heck, Sadiq Charles, um, just above Throckmorton and uh, Taylor, like you mentioned. So um, I think he goes a lot later than offensive tackle 12 because of the injury, but um, he's someone that, like like I said, it just, it sucks because he was a really, really good football player. Yeah, for sure. It's mock time. It is. Let's do it. So if you guys have been following along with the seven-round mock draft series, we're on to the Jacksonville Jaguars and at pick nine, and they have a lot of picks. They've moved a lot of different players to a lot of different uh, places. They moved Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Boye, Dante Fowler, Calais Campbell. Uh, They've moved a lot of talent, and they are now what I would assume would be tanking for Trevor would be my guess, or at least trying to. Uh, do yeah. their their best to put themselves in position uh, is yeah. the way that it seems that it's it's going. Yeah, the Jaguars are in an interesting spot because, like you said, they've traded like we were talking about before we started recording. Like, damn, this is a good team they could make out of these guys that they traded away. Like you said, they have an extra first rounder from Jalen Ramsey, extra fourth rounder from AJ Boye, a comp fourth rounder, an extra fifth rounder from the Dante Fowler trade, an extra fifth rounder from the Calais Campbell trade. They still only have two fifth rounders because they traded for Josh Dobbs last season. And then they have an extra six rounder because they traded it to Seattle during last year's draft so that Seattle could take John Arsua. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting spot for them because I wouldn't expect that their staff has the leeway to tank for Trevor. No, no. I think Doug uh, Marone is, you know, they, they made the AFC championship year. game a couple years ago. And, you know, since then they kind of squandered all this talent that they have, they've had on this team. And so I would expect Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell's heads to be on the chopping block here, but it seems like they have at least one more year to tank for Trevor, and it's right. kind of a strange situation. It, it really, really is. And I remember watching the Jags when they had you know Fred Taylor, Maurice Jones-Drew, and David Garrard, oh, yeah, those two and then uh, ever since you know then they've 
haven't been able to figure out the quarterback position. Um, and then they had this really unstoppable defense um, that was going toe-to-toe with the Patriots. And now all of those pieces, except for Miles Jack, are gone. Yeah. I mean, who's the best quarterback that's played for the Jags since David Carrard, do you think? Man, that's hard. Yeah, right? It's I don't it's even, hard. I don't even <laughs> that's why know. I ask, because like, it's, it's really hard. I don't know that there's a right answer. Like, is it Blake Bortles? <laughs> um, him or Blaine Gabbert, take your pick. I mean, Bla- yeah, Blake, right? Blake Bortles and even made then, the playoffs. Like, if you're going to include Blaine Gabbert in that conversation, like, is it Chad Henney? I'm going to say Chad like, Henney. Um, I don't know. That's it's hard. Their quarterbacks since David Garrard were Trent Edwards, Luke McCown, Blaine Gabbert, Chad Henney, uh, Blake Bortles, Cody Kessler, Nick Foles, and Gardner Minshew. Yeah. So it's bad. Not exactly ideal. Um, but yeah, they went they they went from Mark Brunel to Brian Leftwich to David Garrard, and then they've kind of went downhill. So it's. It, it's yeah. it's crazy, but we're gonna try and do our best to get this we're roster do our best to fix it. reloaded, um, and that starts at pick nine, and we go ahead and get them a bigger receiver, uh, big explosive receiver in CD Lamb, out of Oklahoma. Um, Love this one. It's it's this fit seems to me like it's perfect. Um, if they go receiver at pick nine, him or Judy, I think it would be a perfect fit in Jacksonville. Um, both really good route runners, both uh, explosive playmakers, high catch radius. Um, they're they're elite at what they do, and I think, you know, DJ Chark had a really great year last year. I think him being in a wide receiver two role suits him a little bit better than being the number one target. So right. you add Lamb to this offense with Chark and a healthy Marquise Lee and D.D. Westbrook. Um, and then Leonard Fournette, I think Gardner Minshew will have enough targets to spread the ball around. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at this Jaguars wide receiver depth chart, DJ Chark, wide receiver two. Keelan Cole, maybe wide receiver two at his ceiling. Dee Westbrook, slot guy. Marquise Lee, wide receiver two, probably. You know, you can't really rely on him to stay healthy. Chris Conley, wide receiver two. Um, after that, it's a bunch of depth pieces. They really have a bunch of wide receiver two types and no true like wide receiver one. Could DJ Chark become a wide receiver one at some point down the line? Maybe. Maybe. But I'd rather just bet on a sure thing wide receiver one in CeeDee Lamb and, you know, have him be the security blanket for Gardner Minshew or whoever is going to play quarterback. I assume it's going to be Gardner Minshew at this point. Um, You know, but just having that number one, true number one receiver, I think is in a super important part of developing a young quarterback. Um you know, we've seen this. Kyler Murray has Larry Fitzgerald, you know. Patrick Mahomes has Tyreek Hill. Patrick Mahomes has, you know, Travis Kelsey. We've seen this over and over again. Uh, and I think it's it's going to be good just for the Jaguars wide, wide receivers room, but also for Gardner Minshew's development too. For sure. And I don't know if they see Gardner Minshew as a long-term answer, but the way the roster is constructed right now, he's the starter for this year. Um, it's all on him. So get him as yeah, many no pieces question. as as you can. Moving on to pick twenty, um, we got a steal here. Um, I think we can both oh, agree yeah. this that is this highway is a, robbery. This is a top ten player. Um, yeah, and it's a team. I think he's in, literally number ten on my board. It's a need, and it's it's Javon Kinlaw. Yeah, um, in my mock, I actually took him at nine. He actually made it all the way to twenty in Alex's mock. So we went with Lamb and Kinlaw instead sure of did. a Kinlaw and Fulton combo that I was able to create. Um, there's not much to say about Kinlaw. He's an athletic monster. He's a freak. Um, he he's he's dominant, and he's gonna. I think his ceiling is a lot higher than Derek Brown's. Yeah, for sure. I think his floor is lower than Derek Brown's, but yep. I think, like you said, his ceiling is higher. And you know, after the Calais Campbell trade, there's a hole on that defensive line. You Big know, one. Taven Bryan was a first round pick a couple of years ago, but he's been inconsistent. Um, they they need someone to plug that plug the middle, uh, and Kinlaw is. A complete package as far as that goes you know creates a lot of interior pressure does well in the run game um faced a lot of double teams at south carolina and like still got through and made plays a lot of the time um you know someone who maybe you want to rotate him in and out you know conditioning is a little bit of an issue for him but again he was getting double teamed the whole game at south carolina like right of course he's gonna get tired 
Um, but I, I really like this fit. I think him and Derek Brown both fit this team really well. Um, I think, you know, Derek Brown wasn't available at nine in either of our mocks, which is why we didn't take him. He wasn't in the conversation for us. But if Derek Brown makes it to nine in the real thing, I could, I think you could see that for sure. And then if Kinlaw makes it to twenty in the real thing, like send that card in immediately. Oh yeah, you're you're running to. Uh, yeah, you're, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty well, self-explanatory. Virtually running. At virtually point. running. That's right. You're typing furiously. <laughs> I want Javon <laughs> Kinlaw, all caps. <laughs> um, so yeah, first I think the first round went really well for Jacksonville, and then in round I two, agree. they get. What I would Even call better. the most athletic um, safety in this class, and that's uh, yeah. Antoine Winfield Jr. out of Minnesota. Um, as a guy who's a Minnesota Vikings fan, I watched uh, his dad play uh, a lot of football for the Vikings, and I think Winfield Jr. has a better knack for finding the football than his dad does or did when he played. Um, he's versatile. He's athletic. And the Jaguars' secondary is kind of depleted. You know, they their top two corners are gone. Um, they have a big hole at uh, at safety, um, so they need yeah. they need to add a playmaker. And I think Winfield is just perfect for that role. Yeah, I really, I really like this fit. Um, Winfield, like you said, super versatile. Um, someone who people have classified as just a football player, right? Just yeah. put him on the field and let him do his thing, and it'll be fine. Um, I think he fits best as a free safety where you can kind of just let him roam on the back end. Like you said, ball skills are out are through the roof. Um, Going to convert a lot of turnovers for your team if you let him, if you give him the space to just do, you know, trust his instincts. Um, and like you said, this, this secondary is depleted. Um, Ronnie Harrison is a good piece at strong safety, but they desperately need a free safety. They started Jared Wilson for all of last year, who's more of a hybrid third safety to me. Um, you know, their corners right now are Darquez Denard, Trey Herndon, and DJ Hayden in the slot. And DJ Hayden's a really good slot corner, but so is Darquez Denard. So who are you right. playing on the outside? And Trey Herndon struggled when he got reps after they traded Ramsey last year. Um, Unfortunately, our board kind of broke such that we weren't able to grab a corner, for, a top tier corner for them early on. But they Winfield signed and... uh, Rasheen Melvin in free agency as well. Oh, they, did they? Yes. I didn't see that. Yep, one okay. year deal. That's not that's not, not bad. Uh, Rashawn Melvin's a good a good piece for them too. Um, but yeah, I think having Winfield just kind of on that back end to clean up any any messes that happen um, with a second a corner group that's you know inconsistent probably gonna gonna be inconsistent i think is a safe long-term bet um the big thing for him is just gonna be staying healthy you know he's a redshirt sophomore that's finished four years of college yeah Um, he's he's 21 years old but he's technically a redshirt sophomore you know so He's, if he can uh, stay healthy, I think he's going to be an impact player for yeah, ten plus years. He's a special player, and I I can't wait to sit down and actually like fully break down his film because I think he has a chance to be my safety one. Um, yeah, I think that's how sure. special this guy is. But um, moving on to round three, we went to offensive line, which I think has become a bigger need for the Jags than people realize. Um, and we went with yeah. Natane Moody here, who's an offensive lineman that I really like. I've linked him to Me the too. Vikings a lot, and I. Uh, latest mocks being a Vikings fan I think he is one of the better plug-and-play guards in this class which this guards class is not overly special Um, it's a lot of clumped guys that are really close together Um, it's basically personal preference at this point Um, and I I really like Natane Moody yeah I do too Um, again health is going to be the issue for him but he's He's my guard one. Yeah. Um, interior well. offensive lineman three, but Cushenberry and Lloyd Cushenberry and Cesar Ruiz both play center primarily. I think you could move them to guard if you really have to, but I don't love either. I don't love that for either of them. Um, Moody is my pure guard one. I think he's he's someone who's just incredibly powerful, going to be a complete mauler in the run game, open up a lot of holes for Leonard Fournette on those kind of inside zone runs that they love to run. Um, you know, pound the rock inside Leonard Fournette and Ryquell Armstead, who's basically a fullback. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just run down their throats every every single play. Natani Moody fits into that perfectly. Um, I 
love this fit. You know, we've talked about the Jaguars' offensive line problems before on the show. You know, are they going to move Cam Robinson to guard? Do they want a franchise left tackle? Um, this kind of allows them to explore all their options. You know, see if Cam Robinson can work out a tackle. Um, if not, you probably just let him go because I think Moody will develop into a long-term starter. Maybe you cut Andrew Norwell if you you know if you have some cap savings on that, and uh, go from there. Yeah, I really like him. He's my offensive interior offensive lineman four, but I've got three guys that I think transition to center in the NFL with Ruiz, Cushenberry, then Matt Hennessy, um, all ahead of him. So I really I really like Moody, big Mauler. I think he is, like I said, he's a guy that I want the Vikings to draft as a potential replacement for offline. He didn't. Um, make make it that far because we snatched him up here in round three going on to round four is a player that we've talked about a lot um with oh yeah all the way from our senior bowl um review recap shows and then he's been getting stolen in mocks there's not too much need to go into depth here but it's dane jackson cornerback out of pit we both really like him he we i think we're a lot higher than the community is on him oh yeah so. i think the main, the main place where we differ from the community, I feel like, and uh, shout out to EJ Snyder of Bears Over Beers and their and uh, Bootleg Football, his new podcast with Brett Coleman. Oh, yeah. For turning Excellent. us on to Dan Jackson in Mobile. Um, yeah, dream guests for the show, if you guys are listening. Um, Dan Jackson is someone who they, EJ was the one that turned me on to him of like, you can play this guy outside. And I think most of the community has Dane Jackson pegged as a pure slot corner just because he's so rail thin framed. He's I think he's six foot even, but like one eighty, right? Um, so like he's built like a stick figure almost. But you watch him play on tape and you watch how physical he plays, and he's he'll survive on the outside if you put him out oh, there. Oh yeah. And you know, he if he gets some bulk onto his frame, you know, an NFL strength and conditioning program is gonna be big for him as far as that goes. If he gets some bulk onto his frame and is able to play even more physical with guys, he's going to be a starting outside corner, no problem, for any NFL team. And so for the Jags, who now look like their timeline is maybe a little bit longer than we were expecting coming into this offseason, I think they have the time to develop a guy like Dane Jackson. For sure, for sure. Um, the next fourth rounder, we went with Anthony Jennings, which I think is an interesting fit here. Um, he's yeah, someone that a- I think – the issue with him is we don't know exactly what he's going to be in the NFL. Um, yeah. We've seen him, you know, be an edge rusher. We've seen him be a linebacker, but the coverage skills really aren't there for him to be a linebacker. He kind of yeah. is in the same um, realm of like a Zach Bond where yeah. you don't know where, he's, at least. where he's going to project or, um, into the NFL. And if you're going to play yeah. him, you're going to have to use him in certain ways to his strengths because he's not going to be someone that um, is very well-rounded at either spot that you choose to play him. If you're going to play him at linebacker, um, he's not going to have the best coverage skills um, in man or in zone. And then if you play him at edge rusher, I think he's a little small. So it's it's going to be, I think the fourth round is probably a sweet spot, but it's going to be interesting to see how teams value him and uh, where they project him to be. Yeah, this is an interesting fit for me because I think that the Jaguars are one of the teams where he where he could play to his strengths very well. Yeah, um, the Jaguars love using you know a ton of different looks on defense. Um, they run a base four three, but like sometimes they'll hit you with a three four look just because they have the personnel to do so. At least they used to, right? You know, back when Dante Fowler, Calais Campbell, Jalen Ramsey, AJ Boy, everyone was there, right? They don't really have the personnel to do that anymore. But if you start to build back towards that, right, you can use Anthony Jennings as a as a sub package blitzing linebacker. You can use him as a you know situational rotational edge rusher. Um, Jacksonville really loves to rotate their guys in and out. Um, you know you've seen this with their interior defensive line. You know I think five or six different guys have all gotten playing time. You know Calais Campbell, uh, Marcel Darius, Taven Bryan, Avery Jones. They they run a bunch of different guys on that defensive line especially. And so in the fourth round, getting a guy where you can kind of just put him in different situations, see how he responds, and really get a feel for what his true position is going to be in the NFL. Again, it's kind of like the Dane Jackson pick earlier in this round where 
you have the time to develop these guys, see what they're going to be as NFL players. So why not just see for yourself rather than letting some other team develop them? For sure, for sure. Um, they have another fourth round pick. Yeah, they jag. They we're not. We're just now getting the halfway mark. Um, yeah. Of their selections, and we went with Akeem Adeniji, who we've talked about in a lot of mock like drafts. Um, we like really like him. His versatility is. I think Ooh. a strength for him because he can play oh, yeah. four out of the oh, five yeah. positions um, yeah. on the offensive line. Um, I think most teams are going to project him as a guard. I know that's where I have him. Um, yeah. But I think he's he's very capable of being a tackle on either side of the uh, of the field. And for sure. we've talked about the Jags with their offensive line. We had an option to either go with Moody or Adenogy. We actually um, doubled down instead. We focused on other yeah. positions later on in the draft and we doubled down on the offensive lineman a little bit earlier here yeah so identity was my pick and i i had a very i had a very like complex thought process that i'm going to try to take you guys through right <laughs> so especially with Antonio moody right um you're drafting two guys who are probably projecting as guards to the next level right so again this allows you to get out of andrew norwell's contract which hasn't worked out you know, I'm unsure if he's a free agent after this year or if it's after next year. But if he's a free agent this year, you just let him walk. If he's if he's a free agent next year, you can probably cut him for you know not that much dead cap. And then you can either have Moody and Adenogy as your starting guards, or if you want to kick Cam Robinson inside to guard and play Adenogy at tackle, you can do that too. You have a lot of flexibility on this line now, where you know you can run Adenogy at left tackle and have Robinson play guard with Moody holding down the other spot. Or you can keep Robinson outside at tackle, maybe find a longer-term solution at left tackle, play Adenogy and Moody as your two starting guards for the future. And then you have an offensive line that essentially is Cam Robinson, Hakeem Adenogy, Brandon Linder, Natani Moody, Jawan Taylor, who can all play multiple positions along that line. Um, I think that, that sort of versatility is something that's really rare among offensive linemen, and it allows, it allows a contingency plan for injuries. Um, because if one guy goes down, you can just shift another guy over if maybe your reserves are only good at one certain position, right? Um, so it's it's a lot of versatility. It's something that I am a fan of. I think I really like the idea of having this like very interchangeable offensive line, and I know chemistry is such a big part of that um, as far as the offensive line unit goes, but having guys that can kind of switch around, change positions, while still having that chemistry because you're just switching the positions that these five guys are playing. Um, I think that's something that I am really interested in seeing. So Andrew Norwell signed a five-year, $66 million contract in 2018. That's too many years. Um, he, there was a potential out this year in 2020 um, mm -hmm. where he would have a $9 million dead cap hit. Um, he's scheduled to make 11 and a half this year. Um base salary he'll have a 15 million dollar cap hit and he'll have nine mil in dead cap but they can cut him next year for only six mil dead cap and save um nine mil or they can cut him in 2022 and it'll be three mil dead cap and they'll save 14 mil um because he's under contract with them he's not scheduled to hit unrestricted free agency again until 2023 that's too long so they're he's not making it there they're going to be moving off of him um yeah Sure. at some point in the near future and yeah. i think we've given them two really good options here to be his potential yeah. replacement yeah i think that's the reason why we felt comfortable doubling down on offensive line here is because it gives you that flexibility to be able to make moves like that um moving on to the fifth uh we went with harrison bryant which we actually when we were combining our, our mocks we actually had this pick the same um they need a tight end. They signed Tyler Eifert, which I totally forgot about when we were doing this mock. Um, mm, but they, yeah. they signed Tyler I Eifert. I, I don't think that makes that big of an impact. He can't exactly stay healthy. Harrison Bryant's one of at least my favorite tight ends in the class. Um, he's, as far as like the middle-tier guys, he is my far and away my favorite. You know, If you look at like the, the Josiah DeGuaras, Hunter Bryant, Jared, Jared Pinkney, uh, Albert O., He's at the top of that list for me. He's my current tight end five um, behind Met, Troutman, Moss, and Hopkins. But mm -hmm. I think I really like him here, and I think for me it's nothing more than just giving Gardner more weapons. Yeah, for sure. 
I didn't forget about the Tyler Eifert signing. I just thought, like you said, it doesn't make that big of an impact. Um, you know, if he's if he's healthy, like he's a good player, but is he going to be healthy? It kind of just feels like Marquise Lee, but at tight end, right. um, where he's just kind of an albino tiger. You know, he's does he exist? We'll never know. <laughs> um, and having a solid tight end behind him in case he does get injured, which I think you have to plan for if you're the Jags, is so valuable because it means that your offense doesn't come to a complete standstill if he goes down. Right. Um, you know, I think apart from him at tight end right now, they have James O'Shaughnessy, who is fine, but he's really just a fine tight end too. Like he's not going to step in and be your tight end one if Eifert goes down. And they have Josh Oliver, who they took in, I think, the third round last third year. Third from San Jose State. Um, yeah, who hasn't really come along as far as I'm aware. Um, you know, looks like it might have been a uh, a wasted pick, at least right now. You know, maybe he comes along and maybe he develops. But I think bringing in Bryant to just, like, add that little element of competition, you know, push those guys, um, and then also, like, serve as a contingency plan if Eifert is to go down, I think is very important for them. Yeah, I like that. I like the I like the fit here, and I also like this next one, the other fifth rounder. Um, we went with I Darius, really like this fit. Darius Anderson, um, running back at TCU. And I, um, if you guys haven't uh, followed me on Twitter, I also write for NFLMocks.com, a fan site of the affiliate. And I did a Jacksonville Jaguars seven round mock, and I also gave them Darius Anderson, um, as this was my pick in this mock. Um, and I just think he is the perfect tandem pairing with Leonard Fournette. Um, I agree completely. Leonard Fournette is your downhill runner in between the tackles on first and second down. Darius Anderson is your change of pace back. Uh, he's your spark plug that you just get him the ball, um, whether that is in the receiving game or in the outside run game. And you get him in open space and he can make plays happen. Um, Leonard Fournette's also had some injury, injury concerns. So Anderson being able to take the load off Fournette a little bit, um, give the offense another dimension to their run game i think i I, i've fallen in love with this spot every time i do like jags work i always make sure that they get a darius anderson or someone very similar yeah for sure i was i was gonna say pretty much exactly the same thing um they had Corey grant in 2018 who was kind of their change of pace back he ended up you know having a liz frank injury I don't think he was on the roster for 2019. If he was, I think he was on IR for most of the season. So they really didn't have that change of pace element to the offense this year. And you could tell, you know, Leonard Fournette started to kind of get worn down. Like we we alluded to earlier, you have Raquel Armstead, but he's essentially a fullback. Behind that, they have Divine Zigbo, who I really liked coming out of Nebraska last year, but the league does not like, it would appear, since he's on his, I think, third team now um, already. And so, like you said, adding Anderson, who's someone who solid in pass pro, solid in the receiving game, solid as a running back, like just a solid player overall, adds a lot of ex- adds that explosiveness to your offense that you're missing, um, especially now that Leonard Fournette has kind of slowed down even more from his not necessarily like hyper explosive self that he was coming out of LSU, but injuries have kind of slowed him down even more. Um, and so, adding someone that can, like you said, take the load off a little bit is going to be key for them, I think. And Darius Anderson's a really good option in the fifth round here to do that. All right. Um, moving on to the sixth. Our first sixth round, we went with David Reese, the second linebacker out of Florida. Um, the linebacker's a pretty big need um, for them as far as depth-wise. They brought in Joe Schobert, so now instead of you know favoring Simmons in round one, they're going to be looking to add pieces later in the draft to kind of fill out their roster and their depth chart. Uh, they've got Joe Schobert and Miles Jack there. David Reese was simply a depth pick for me. I like what he could potentially become as a rotational linebacker. Um, it's 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 a roster filler whether he's you know a practice squad player or he actually makes the roster and is a rotational piece for them. Um, I think the the fit here as far as um, the need at linebacker and guys behind those two big. Uh, big name guys um that's why this pick was made yeah. yeah for sure i think you know you look at adding depth to the linebacker position and also just the florida connection 
Right. Um, you know, he went They're to no Florida stranger to doing that with any Florida schools. Right. Yeah, they, they take a lot of Florida school players. Um, but like you said, right, their their depth chart right now looks like it's going to be Miles Jack, Joe Schobert, Quincy Williams at the starting positions. And then I honestly don't hate the depth that they have. I think Leon Jacobs is a good depth piece. I didn't love him as a starter. Um, Dakota Allen's on that team. Austin Calitro, Joe Giles Harris. Like, It's a solid group of young guys, but I think just adding another guy into that mix. Um, again, kind of like the Harrison Bryant pick, just like adding a guy in to compete with those guys, push that group. And then, like you said, if whether he makes the roster or is on the practice squad, you know, whatever it is, it's a six-round pick. You're just going to kind of see what you have, um, get a local guy into the building, and just uh, hope that he develops into a quality rotational piece for you. I've got a question, Alex. What's that? Do you like small school guys? I do. How'd you know? Oh, well, looking here at pick 206, we have this guy named Omar Bayless from Arkansas hey, you State. you know what's crazy about this pick, too? 206 is my area code that I live in. Oh, my God. It's 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 so, meant to be. Yeah. But no, I actually love this player, too. Um, I'm going to let you kind of yeah. take the lead on him. Yeah, man. This is this is a pick that I made. Uh, I really like Omar Bayless. He's my wide receiver 28, but that doesn't mean I don't like him. It just means <laughs> that this wide receiver class is insane. Godly. It's absolutely mind-blowing. And what's crazy about it is that I've started doing my database for 2021, and 2021's wide receiver class is also insane. Um, so it's going to be a fun couple years if you need a wide receiver. But Omar Bayless is someone who I added to this team because, you know, you add C.D. Lamb in the first round, and that's fine, right? That's all well and good. C.D. Lamb's a great player. But he's not really like a red zone, Des Bryant-type threat, right? Um, and so that's something that you're still kind of missing. No, that's not my official <laughs> pro comp for Omar Bayless at all. Um, that's just the first player that came to mind is just like a pure red zone threat receiver. Anyway. Slander him on Twitter at Alex Katzen. Uh, anyway. Um, so you add CeeDee Lamb in the first round, so you still don't really have a guy that can do that. You know, Chris Conley is sort of that guy. Uh, DJ Chark is kind of that guy, but they're both like a little bit too small. They're both like a little bit too shifty um, to be like that pure red zone threat type guy. Uh, Omar Bayless is that and nothing else right now um he's just like throw him a goal line fade and he will catch it that's pretty much it yeah i really um, like this player i really do yeah um <laughs> that's something where he you know that's what he's really good at now and so you know you can get him reps in the goal uh in goal line situations now and see if he develops you know some more nuance to his game see if he develops into like maybe a wide receiver three wide receiver two for you um depending on what your personnel grouping looks like going forward but this is a player that I really like. I'm really high on him, even though he's my wide receiver 28. Like I said, his wide receiver class is nuts. Yeah. Um, I think he could be a starter at the next level. Yeah, he's my wide receiver 24. And out of the small school guys, um, he's my second favorite. Obviously, I'm a big AGG fan, so I love Antonio Ganey-Golden. Um, but I prefer Bayless over uh, the Rhode Island uh, duo of Parker and Coulter, and I also like him more than uh, Mason Kinsey. There's actually a lot of really good small school receivers in this class. There is, yeah. Um, you know, you got Josh Person from uh, Jacksonville State as well, and then Ernest Edwards from Maine. Um, there, there's some really I love Ernest Edwards. There's some really good small school guys um, that can make a difference on a team if they get the chance to, you know, make the roster. And I think Bayless is. Um, I think he's one of the more refined out of these smaller school guys, but I think oh, for sure. I th um I think there's gonna be some guys from like you know from like A and M and Georgia and Ohio State that might not make rosters because of these smaller school guys getting you know attention. Yeah, I feel that way too. And now we're to the seventh round, and we are with these early teams. We've been a fan of taking quarterbacks in the sixth and seventh rounds because it's kind of just what we do. Um, and we went with Tyler Huntley, quarterback out of Utah. I'm not 100% yeah. sure. Um, they have Josh Dobbs as their backup, right? Correct. So it's never a bad thing. You know, there's there's a saying in the NFL, you should draft a quarterback at least once a year, if not once every other year, um, for, the for you know, constant bringing in some new guys. And you never know, you know, when injuries happen or if you can find, you know, your next Tom Brady um, late in the draft. Right. So we gave them Tyler Huntley here, who's actually a quarterback that I actually really like. Um, I think he's my QB 14. Uh, yeah, he's 14 right now on my board. I really like him as a guy. 
that, you know, sixth, seventh round or an undrafted guy, you can bring into camp, practice squad him if you need to, and then eventually maybe can develop into a backup. And that's really all you're looking for here in round seven. If you hit a home run on him and becomes, you know, a Hall of Famer, that's great. But they've got Gardner Minshew here. Josh Dobbs is in the mix. You bring Huntley along. I think that it's a good young quarterback room. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Tyler Huntley is also my quarterback 14 for what it's Oh, my worth. God. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're talking about, like, the, the old adage, draft a quarterback every year, if not every other year. Uh, the Jags are proof of that. You know, they took Gardner Minshew in the sixth round last year when people were kind of like, you don't need a backup quarterback. You have Nick Foles. Right. Um, and then all of a sudden, Nick Foles breaks his collarbone, and it's like, oh, we got to put this guy in. And then he was great. Um, and now he's your franchise quarterback, it looks like. At least for the short term. Right. Um, so why not take another chance on a guy, see if he can beat out Josh Jobs for that backup role. I don't hate Josh Jobs, but also, I mean, if Josh Jobs wasn't beating out Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges in Pittsburgh, what is what is you know, Josh Dobbs? What does that mean for him? Right. Because <laughs> we for saw sure. Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges play meaningful snaps in the NFL this year and they were not great. Right. So I don't know if you feel comfortable with Josh Dobbs as your backup. You know, just in case Gardner Minshew does get injured. Um, not saying that it will happen, but just in case, you know, you can never be too sure. You know, the most important position in football is your quarterback. The most, the second most important position in football is your backup quarterback. Exactly. Uh, as the old saying goes. So, yeah, why not just add another guy? I think Huntley's a nice developmental guy. Um, you know, just stick him on a practice squad if you if you have to. See if he can come along. Um, he's going to have some accuracy issues, I think, is his main thing. Um, makes a lot of throws on the run that, like, kind of die in the air. So just, like, getting him to slow down his process. I remember watching his film, and it looks like he's moving at 2x speed while everyone else is kind of frozen in place. Right. Um, so just getting him to slow down, take in what's going on in front of him, I think is going to be the main thing for him. And getting an NFL coaching staff to work with him is going to be the best way to do that. Well said there, and that's that's the end of the episode. Um, it was good getting back, you know, in the hosting chair again and, you know, doing a yeah, show. We've, sure. we've recorded a couple different shows tonight, so I'm exhausted. Yeah. I work in a few hours, but uh, that is it for the show. If you guys want to do your own seven-round mock draft like we did with the Jacksonville Jaguars, go over to fanspeak.com, hit their on-the-clock 2020 simulator game, and choose the whole nine sports draft board. Um, and then go ahead... And uh, go ahead and tweet at us with the board, and we'll give you guys our opinions on your draft with our boards because we're very judgmental people. Um, yeah, what's the hashtag, the hashtag for that one? WNS draft. There you go. I got to remember that use one. Use that hashtag. We will look at it. Yeah, we so hashtag WNS draft. Regardless of team, it can be your favorite team, our favorite team. doesn't matter. Go ahead and use the board. It should Except be updated. Except the Raiders. I will not respond to Raiders by <laughs> Um, I will respond to Packers, Lions, and Bears with only slander, but it is what it is. TR baby. But yeah, go ahead and uh, do that. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter, at Alex Katzen, for Alex, at JoshBerg0611 for myself. If you're interested at at following the show, that's at WNDraftPod. We're closing in on 100 followers on Twitter for the pod uh, account, so we can go ahead and... Get there. Um, we'll put, we'll have some interactive polls and stuff for you guys to do during quarantine over the next couple of days, or we'll figure something yes, out. Sir. But um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're just under a month away from the draft. I know yeah, I took paid crazy. vacation from my job, so I'm gonna be doing a bunch of different stuff um, the week of the draft. Gonna try to get some, whether it's like some videos out on Twitter or something. I'm gonna figure something out. Um, go yeah, ahead and go over to homelinesports.com. We got a lot of good content. Oh my god, it's gonna be so much fun. Onlinesports.com, latest articles, mock drafts, scouting reports. I know Alex and I both have some stuff in the works. Um, it's going to be interesting That's to see. Um, I just hope that we get a lot of good engagement. And with yes, going sir. to the website, you got to go to the Twitter page as well, at Whole9Sports. On Twitter, go ahead and interact with us there. And I think I got everything. Yeah. Make double did. extra sure that you're following me on Twitter because I'm almost at 250 followers. That was my yeah, I am. I'm two away. I'm at 386, so if I can get to 400 before the draft or by the time the draft is, that'll be fantastic. So go ahead and push that. Also, vote for Brandon in the Draft Right Bracket Challenge. Um, So go ahead and do that as well. I think I got all the plugs. I think we have a Patreon page somewhere that you guys can do. But 
there, there's lots of stuff. You guys can get connected with us pretty much anywhere, um, any social Twitter, media platform. All the plugs. Yeah, it'll it'll all be there on the Twitter pages. So go ahead and just follow on Twitter. It's the easiest thing to do. Um, yes, sir. And until the next time, we've got a mock draft episode coming out next, which is going to be a lot of fun. And that's parter. Yeah, two parter, two rounds. It's going to be a lot of fun. And until the next time, I'm Josh Berg signing out for Alex, and we will see you on the next one. Later.